everybody. Welcome to the Tim Shell cast. Uh, Jeremy is with me today and our special guest, Kyle Horst. Hey, Kyle. Welcome to the podcast officially, even though you are part of the team. Yeah, yeah. First time caller. Long time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you are a first time caller. <laughs> this is the first time you're on the podcast. Is that correct? I thought, oh, we did another we recording. Did. Yeah, oh, we did those recordings for backers. talk about that. Oh, no, special that did backers. go through. Special that did go through. through. So, okay, for those of you that don't know, uh, Kyle, I'll let you introduce yourself, um, but, and all your credentials and all your awesomeness. Uh, but for those of you that don't know, Kyle actually helped us in translating Tim Shell. We used um, his amazing brain and expertise on creative writing and narrative and story, but also on so much of the psychological aspects of the different characters. So we would just sit and talk about, hey, what is it like when we're grieving? What is it like um, to be somebody who has been sex trafficked? Like all these different questions, um, we were able to pick Kyle's brain. So I'm so thrilled that you guys get to hear from him um, today as well. But Kyle, why don't you kind of introduce yourself and tell people uh, what you do? Yeah, so I teach at California State University, Chico, and then Northern California region. Um, and I'm the coordinator of the marriage and family therapy program there. So we have a program, about 50 students, three-year program that um, is a graduate level program training future therapists. So it's, it's, cool. it's nice. That's why I spend my day job doing my, my like side gigs. I have a private practice that I do on the side. So I see a few cases now all from this room, which is kind of weird in the last That is months. weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's been an adjustment for sure. As a marriage and family therapist and professor, do, do you have a perfect marriage? Yes. Okay. That's good. Because you <laughs> teach from perfection, basically. Yeah, she's not here. So yes, okay, I good. Do. Good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. So you, um, your undergrad work though, right, was in, and, and just not even your work, just I think that you love story and creative writing right, and right. theater and all these things. And I'm, I met you at Chapman. So I kind of knew that origin and that part of you. Um, and so that was why we are so thrilled to have you on today. One, I would love to hear your voice. And I actually have had a few people be like, we want to hear from who were backers. We want to hear from Kyle. Is Kyle coming on? So that's super thanks. fun. Thanks, mom. Thanks, grandma. Yeah, exactly. I um, <laughs> but I, I'm interested in the like sort of what happened and the cross sections of when we started doing this project right and we're like hey uh let's do something new let's bring in more narrative let's bring in sort of a more robust story how that hit you in terms of we'll, we'll get to the psychology in a minute but in terms of what you know about creative writing what you know about narrative and what that does uh to a text and why it's important yeah. And I should, I should probably say too about my background beyond just like what I do in my day job is yeah. um, like to your point, Bonnie, yeah, I have the the training, my BFA in creative writing, which was super helpful for getting a job and very <laughs> lucrative, but uh, same thing with my religion degree. I was like, right, Oh, right. Whoops. <laughs> right. People, what do you do with a creative writing degree? Well, here you are podcast. That's, <laughs> That's you know. what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, it, I mean, really what drew me to um, the sort of field of psychology and therapy specifically in the practice of psychotherapy was the idea that language and stories could be something, could be a medium for healing for people, a mm -hmm. literal, literal medium for healing. And that, that was really exciting because that's, that was always true for me. And, um, you know, I wasn't a huge reader as a kid, but I did definitely latch on to some books. I remember, um, give it up for Lois Lowry, the giver. That was like, you know, real. So it, it, stories, you know, movies, plays, all that process was, was a, is a big part of how I understood the world, how I uh, just dealt with my own stuff too. I think another point to just to mention too, was sort of growing up in the church in a, in a um, kind of very literal, very fundamental sort of environment where um, the, the Bible, the like, that was not presented in like a narrative way. <laughs> yeah. It was very much like a shotgun of, of book chapter verse, you know, yeah. but I, I, I remember distinctly being like late teenager, like having the first time reading like the Bible or reading parts of the Bible in a way that was just like as a narrative, like, mm -hmm. Oh, this is a story, you know? And that mm -hmm. really struck me of like, huh, that's weird. Like we have, you know, 
Sunday yeah. school, you get the bits and stuff, but never that connected part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, that really informed um, my faith a lot too, I think it's mm-hmm. still informing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I think it's fascinating too, I was thinking today when we were discussing earlier about this um, in terms of biblical narrative is there was a lot of those, I think it was a audio Bible that I can't remember, but it was a, where they read it like a theatrical thing, right? Like different voices and um, different characters and people are like, just, you know, you have a man and a woman talking. So it's supposed to be more immersive. Was it the story? Oh yeah, that might've been it. Yeah, that might've been it. And I was thinking about that and going, I remember listening to that and that was helpful, right? There were some background sounds. There was (laughs) people are getting mad versus like a, just a preacher reading it very straight out of the text. So that was super helpful. Uh, but the jump, like the important thing about story, I think is how we fall in love with the characters. Right. And so I, that was always something that was missing for me, but when you are, and when all of us, I guess, cause Jeremy, I would love to know, actually know if you read fiction and if you like fiction and things like that, but, and like what we've all sort of fallen in love with. I mean, it's been a while since I read fiction. I'll read a one-off. I'll read like a you remember looks, I was a literature major, right? <laughs> yes, what, I know. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I, do, right. <laughs> I think I forgot that for a second. So, okay. Let me just say, I re- I'll read one-offs. Like, this looks like a dumb beach read, right? So I have not read a series where I'm like in love with the characters until I recently, well, last year, read Harry Potter. And then I fell like so hard and I got a Ted Harry Potter too. Um, because there was something about the way that she wrote that could dive us into the character that was so, that was so meaningful. Right. And so forever, it feels like that dimension has been missing from the text. So we try to do that with Tim shell, um, a little bit, but what do you think that is? Is it just because we find ourselves in those character stories? Um, what is it that draws us in so much to like, how can I relate so heavily to a wizard that's totally made up? Do you know what I mean? Cause you are a wizard. Is part of it. A word wizard. A word wizard. There you go. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I really, and this is where the psychology comes in, where you know, I really um, have been fascinated with this idea that our that that story is kind of how we make meaning out of life. You know, that's kind of mm. how we um, organize our our existence in a lot of ways. You know, this and this kind of started. I mean, not to not to get too heavy here, but like sort of Freud and some of what he talked about too. And in, in terms of, you know, we fill in the, the gaps, um, mm. you know, think of it like, like a movie, like a, like a film reel, right? I mean, there's essentially still pictures, but, but we put them together in our brain. That's how we make sense of kind of, the, and, and make fluidity and, and narrative. And, and that's the process that we do this. So, you know, stories have lasted, you know, since humans have been here because that is like a primary way in which we, um, yeah, we organize our, our existence in a lot of ways. And so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to think like that we have taken that core element away from, uh, faith in a, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the thing about storing too, is that it can be very personal. Like we, and we can talk about this in a second too, when we get there, but the, the notion that we, um, we each have our own story, right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we're kind of making, you know, making meaning through that storytelling that we do of ourselves. And I think that's part of what's relatable too um, in the stories that we engage with. You know, it's just, I, I see stories and narratives as like, you know, really um, uh, depthful, like information containers, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's so much more there than that we can get out than just sort of what's on the surface of the, just the words. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I love that line that you said. And Jeremy, I'd love to hear what you say about that too, about when you said we sort of, we have to fill in the gaps. It's this sort of idea that when I'm, when I'm reading something and even like Jeremy, when you and I are reading, when you're going back and forth editing, the thing that I'm reading and thinking of is even though it's the same words, it's different than the thing you're reading and thinking of because your story is informing it differently than my story is informing it. Absolutely. Is that a question for me? Yeah, it's like kind of a question <laughs> statement. Like It's a statement question. Yeah, like it's I'm just quest. like mulling on it because that's no, fascinating. I think it is. And I think for like, um, I, I, I'm going back to one of the reasons why I felt like you even wanted to write Tim Shell um, was I remember you 
feeling like you would read these stories um, or read these characters and not connect. Mm-hmm. And I think, right, I mean, and, and, and I w- would kind of turn this back on you. I, I, I remember when we were editing um, and sometimes you would send me chapters and I would, I would re- respond with my terse responses to you, which was, <laughs> was like, this sounds like NIV. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, do better. And I always told you, I was so upfront. I'd be like, today when I read your responses, when it said do better or word choice, I said, do better. You do better. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then you I ultimately my, did do better. <laughs> did do better. Exactly. Exactly. But, but like once sometimes when I would get it back and, it, and I'd be like, man, this just sounds like, it sounds like just straight, like just a regular version that's already out there. And right. why was that? It's because I wasn't personally connecting with the ah, emotions of the sense. character. You know, and and not that there's that's not there, um, but it's kind of like what we've talked about with like uh, when we had the rabbis on the midrash aspect of this. How can we delve into um, what were even even let's project what are the possible emotions that might have been having, you know, and I think that no matter what um, the Bible is reinterpreted for for everybody who reads it and it's and it's reinterpreted for every generation you know it it has different like you like you were saying like we want to believe a lot of times that this it's it it the words don't change that's correct mm-hmm. but the way that we approach them the what i'm bringing to it the, our diversity is in in demographics or whatever it is not mm-hmm. just that but um you know in 20 years you know my son's going to have a different understanding of what these words mean yeah. and that's actually appropriate you know mm-hmm. we we think that they're they're locked um you know forever and this is true with what we're talking about with Harry Potter they're going to read Harry Potter differently as well yeah. they're going to they're going to see it's going to be a complete I know, exactly <laughs> i'll have to get my tattoo removed just kidding never <laughs> exactly but uh all to say um I just, yeah. I, it's, it's an interesting thing to, to, to understand the story aspect, but also to bring uh, ourselves into it. When mm-hmm. you were, when you were reading the Bible and you decided to uh, try a different route, um, what was your, how did you feel like you were going to accomplish that? Uh, how were you going to try to bring, um, make it, make people more accessible, make these Bible characters more accessible? Were you just going to ask Kyle? <laughs> oh, basically i was like kyle how, how do i do this <laughs> yeah. well it's so funny our early conversations were like that like so we should do that so what do we do and then there was also a, a series of conversations which i think we'll come around to as well of is this allowed right. um yeah. can we um which i find to be so fascinating uh due to the fact that it was an oral tradition first that people were filling in the story forever right before we decided no we're gonna write it down and this is how it's this is how we talk about it and so i think though i started with what i knew which is um the word choices the gendered nouns the cultural the history i I can go there i i that's all brain work that i can do right um so bringing kyle in was such a big leap because it made it to be something that i've always just read and categorized with my brain Um, I had read this thing the other day, actually, that talked about that. It said the brain's job, I think it was Richard Rohr that said it, the brain's job is to literally categorize and separate facts and ideas. So this is blue, this is square, you know, whatever it is. And so um, I can do that easily with the tech, with any text, but especially the Bible. I think we all can on some level, right? Categorize like, okay, this guy was a saint, this guy was a whatever it is. So that even with all that background information, um, I could still do it. So bringing Kyle in and asking, okay, what are we looking at here? Oh, this is a loss of community. Sometimes Kyle had to name for me like what was even happening, what that internal feeling is, because it's hard to do when you're far removed from a situation that you've never been in. Uh, but it's also hard to do, I think, when as a general rule, we aren't a practice society of going inward. I think we're probably getting better. And even in this pandemic, there's a lot more people that are seeking spiritual direction or therapy or creative work or whatever it might be. But for a long time, I think the pace was so fast and I'm included in that, that I wasn't used to sitting and putting myself into someone else's shoes uh, or even my own. So to say to Kyle, like, okay, I'm thinking there's a loss. I'm thinking there's a, and Kyle to bring in an element of, well, actually, if you think about it, 
it was was very um, moving, but it reoriented my heart around the passage, not just the way my brain viewed it. It's interesting you say that because I think where I've been in my like sort of own understanding of the Bible recently, well, I say recently, I guess 10 years is like, you know, very much understanding it in it's like sort of contextual realm and, and sort of, you know, putting it in a certain place and, and understanding when and how it was written and all the stuff that I feel like I really love to read about when you're sort of writing and talking about, but the, th- and so when I, when you were sort of like, well, help me with this, I'm like, I'm not, I don't have any, but it wasn't until we kind of talked about and you were like, well, I just want to know how these people would feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, wait a second. Like, oh, I can yeah. do that. And there's like a, just that, like getting in touch with that common core humanity of like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like what would it be like to, to, you know, have to put your son in this position, you know? And yeah. Just, and I think those elements and yeah, and yeah, the context is, is, is really important in there, but right. Um, right. Ultimately in the day, that's what we, that's what we get out of stories, right? Like, mm-hmm. That's why you can fall in love with the wizard boy and, you know, like yeah, connect yeah. With him in a lot of ways. Well, so, empathy, you know. Yes, the empathy for and grace, I think, for yourself. I'm approaching this like a, a three-pronged approach. I've got like my holistic self. I've got my brain. I've got my spirit. I've got my, um, my body, right? Like um, emotional, physical, spiritual. So if I, if something, I have a spiritual part of me that needs to connect to something. And if story, how we were talking about in narrative therapy, if story is a way that we can do that, right? If that's how we can kind of find ourselves or fill in our gap, I'm questioning and wondering what happens when we don't have that? What happens when we don't have story? What happens when we don't have permission to find ourselves and wrestle and explore? Does that part of us just go unfed? Does that part feel orphaned? What What is the, what's the fallout of sort of this culture that I mean, I think all of us have been a part of for a while that says you can't do that, right? You can't find, you can't dig, you can't change the words, you can't whatever to find yourself. Um, One, I often get this critique and what's interesting actually about it is I get it from women and not men, or at least not yet, um, is that people will say, um, this isn't a translation because it's all about finding you and it's not about God, which I find to be hilarious because it still is the Bible. So I'm like, I don't know what else you want. Um, But that there is such this disconnect of it's not okay to find you. That's selfish. That's wrong. That's whatever. But what you're saying is that it's actually an essential part of our growth and development as healthy whole beings. So what, what is the negative thing that happens when our spiritual lives or belief system says you can't find yourself? You have to deny yourself totally. And like your story doesn't really matter. It's only about God's story. Yeah, I, gosh, you really made me work for that, Kyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, so say more about that. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting because, on one hand, I would argue that I don't know that we're never not involved in right. sort of the storying process of our lives, mm. right? Like, and so whether or not we see ourselves engaging that in in sort of the the so like even subconsciously aspect. we might be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. I, again, yeah. that's how I would say we make meaning. That's how we, we understand and organize our life, right? Like we all kind of have this sort of story to our life that mm-hmm. how we take these moments and the experiences, which are unique and on their own, and we put them together in a way and we, we ascribe like a bigger meaning to these things. Like I am, I am this kind of guy. I'm, I'm chuckles, the funny guy that <laughs> likes to laugh a lot because <laughs> all of these, uh, you know, episodes of my life, I've seen myself kind of filling that role and, um, you know, but one thing that you talked about narrative therapy, they have this, this thing they call thin descriptions, which are um, ways in which we story our life, which are very thin. So like, like I just described being the kind of funny guy, you know, that could be a very thin description if I just kind of applied that thinly across all of my experiences. And I didn't allow for like the alterations in that narrative or changes in that narrative. And yeah. I think to some degree, when we approach our faith in, in sort of with a thin description, like we're not in, 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 in approach the Bible in that like sort of thinly way. We're not allowing for that to be in a way integrated into our story and that we don't have a a connection to it. You know, I think that's the thing that I'm saying is like, it's just, it's just, yeah, there are two different paths, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. It did yeah. that make sense? Probably not, but that's okay. Tell me more. No, <laughs> um, it made a lot of sense. And Jeremy, I'd love to hear your take on it too. Cause I think what happened to me, and maybe this was just, um, my bent towards like fear and anxiety growing up, but I found myself way more in books. Like we kids got paid to do chores. We got paid to read. So my mom was like, however many books you read, we give you this many dollars for how many books. So that's all we ever did was read. So I found myself so much more in those stories than I did ever in the Bible. It was very much separated for me. So maybe subconsciously I did, but I really looked at it not as my own story, but as like a very literal, if I ever find myself at a banquet and Jesus is there, do not break the jar. Like that, it was very, right? It wasn't like I see myself, where am I in this story? Which is why stuff like Ignatian spirituality uh, was a big unlock for me because it asks, who are you in the room? Where are you seated at the table? Like it asked these different right. questions. And that was the first time I'd ever viewed it than just a third party view. So um, I don't know, Jeremy, what is your, like, what are your thoughts on that? My thinking has been that mo a, lot, a lot of my tradition or even gr when the way that I was growing up, the stories weren't necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I agree with Kyle by saying with that I believe that we all, structure everything is story in our lives we're storying at all times mm. and it's funny i um two things uh i'm a i'm a advertiser for one of the things i do in life is advertising and so i just was reading um like this this and had a have a have a bookmarked like these general things that when you're advertising you you want to hit an emotional connection with with the people who are uh. who are who are looking at your your google ads or whatever it is and you want to give them information as well as doing that. And and what this person did, I was reading this book and I actually have it right here. I'll, I'll read some of these off. They said, here's what people generally want. <laughs> and so here, here's a couple yeah, of them, right? It. Okay. Uh, more control. They want independence, freedom, more time, more money, better health, better appearance, promotions, uh, security, confidence, enjoyment. Okay. So there's this list. And mm. so number one, advertisers, we know this. <laughs> yeah. That that your life is storied. Okay. Mm. So you and what that means is that you want something. What's the what's the what's the one essential thing of any protagonist in any story? They desire. They have right. a they they want something. You right. know, Harry wants to get out from underneath the, the stairs or he wants to feel special. He, you know, we could even go right. that, down that list real quick. Now the difficulty with um, for me, the being connecting to the story of the Bible was we only really in my tradition <laughs> had one desire that we were supposed to have. Mm. And, and, and that is to go to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> right? yes. It's to avoid hell and go to heaven. That's like, that's it. That's the whole, that's the whole point. That's the, <laughs> that's the beginning. That's the end. And in all reality, you know, many smarter people than me have said that's where all religion comes from anyway. It's what it's our fear of death or yeah. our desire to avoid that, whatever that is. So now there, there's an issue with that because what happens is you don't really need any of these other stories. We tell them to the kids, but as adults, we know that we don't have to read the Bible because all, all we really need to know is what happened on the cross, you know, Easter or whatever it is. Christmas is cool because we got, you know, the Christmas trees and the pretz. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We really only need two stories. We need the fall <laughs> yeah. and we need the redemption. We need the cross. So now that's why we don't really need the rest of the Bible. Now, I obviously don't think that, <laughs> but I think right. that that's, that's how it practically plays out. Yeah. So this is where, so we need to, I'm always thinking we need to broaden that story. I, I mm -hmm. do think that there's some aspect of my humanity that's always going to struggle with that desire of, of, of knowing what's going to happen after I die. Now, obviously, mm. um, not obvious to everyone. Actually, a lot of people would, would disagree with me on, on this, but we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, it, uh, we just, we don't know. We can't, we're not 100% positive. Nobody is. You, you haven't been there. I mean, there's been near-death experiences and stuff like that, but we just, we, we honestly, we don't know. We have to have beliefs about that stuff. But that's not the only story of our spirituality or even the only story that Christ was, uh, was bringing to, um, to the Jews of the time and to, mm -hmm. you know, wh wh whoever else is out there. You know, we, uh, I, I believe that there is a, we miss 
90% of the message when we focus on just the 10. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, that seems obvious. But yeah. to me, there we there needs to be a broadening of the story, which is what we do. You know, it's a wisdom tradition. And mm-hmm. to me, it's 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 that old roar thing again. It's it's transformation versus transaction. Mm-hmm. You know, transaction being the fall, the cross, I'm done. <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think that that our our my tradition my 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 people group my you know my my fellow um, christians were going to go the way we need to broaden our our story to be about transformation and we need to understand that there's there's definitely a redemption aspect of that but there's a redemption every day all day and eternal life as a part of this you know i think we're going to we're going to lose all relevance if mm. we don't start understanding that aspect of it because yeah. the more that we focus on this one thing and you know in exclusion and this the, the more that the next generations and the next generations yeah. and the next generations are just going to say you know what that's just not for me i'm just mm-hmm. going to find you know it in my in my other spirituality or my and these other stories that can help me live a little bit more um fully or more you know in a different different way that you know does that make any sense that answers yeah. some of that a little bit to you no, it really does. And I feel really seen because <laughs> this is this is going to turn into a therapy session <laughs> from both of you for me. Uh, <laughs> but when you said that thing about generally speaking, we only need two stories. That is so true because have when we sit and we listen, or at least when I did growing up in the churches I grew up in, even if we're talking about another story, it always came back to those two stories right? Even at a wedding or a funeral. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like they did this because the fall. And then what about, it was like altar call, mini or big every every Sunday. So I'm, I'm almost wondering in terms of why that feels like a loss for me, like why I would even ask that question is because, and I also remember, I mean, because I haven't been, I didn't necessarily feel super connected, right? Like the, the talk about thin narrative, that thin narrative was very thin, even presented to me from a biblical standpoint. So I didn't, I was the, such a good kid. I never, ever did anything technically wrong. So that obviously like in my head and you know, all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't in trouble. So the narrative of even the fall and Eve, that was lost on me a little bit of like, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to glean from this. Um, and then the same thing to be true about the crucifixion. I remember going to camps or like youth group and everybody's like bawling, crying and being like, I guess I should pretend to cry or make myself cry. But I've seen this video now like 15 right. times. The and Smith one. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm what having. the song? Sweetness. Uh, I can't remember it was. his secret. Remember yes. that one? <laughs> yes. And being like, I can't, I don't there's not a connection point for me here. It was just because I think some of that middle story had been lost. You know, there was such an emphasis on that beginning and the end that I, it's like, I didn't have, it's like it when basically every movie I watch where I am awake for the first 10 minutes, I fall asleep and I always wake up for the last 10. <laughs> <laughs> always. And size like crying or he's laughing and I'm like, mm, it wasn't a good movie. He's like, how would you know you missed the whole thing in the middle? Uh, Reminds me of my son because we're we're reading Harry Potter, but we're reading the illustrated versions, which are amazing. Oh, they're um, so good. Yeah, but he's got to do the picture walk every time. He's got to go see just the pictures through first. Yeah, before he actually agrees to reading the book. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't really tell you anything. You're just seeing. He's like, I just want to see what's coming. Uh, <laughs> see. See what's you, coming. I had a thought while you were both were talking. This idea of like, I, I remember as a kid thinking often why is the Bible so long? Why is there so much here? Uh, And also thinking like, why the heck would there be stories? Like this Mm. does not seem like the best uh, mode, you know? And we spend all this time like arguing about what does it mean and stuff. I'm like, this is really dumb. Like why just say it, like just say this (laughs) is what you want us to do. Like why, why spend all this time with like all these stories and stuff, you know? And and of course, like when you're looking at 
it from that direction of like all you're supposed to be getting at it is like how to live your life and how what how do I punch my ticket you know to right. Jeremy's point um stories don't really matter much you know except for the like you said the two but you know and maybe this is a little too off the rails but you know no podcast, nothing's so. off the rails okay but when I read that the word is living and breathing mm-hmm. I read that to mean because it is a narrative, it's living mm. in us, right? Because every time we're reading, I think Jeremy made this point, like every time we reread and we engage, it lives in our mind, right? Like that's where we, that's where it lives. We can, we can see this happening and stuff. And, yeah. and um, you know, not saying there isn't also a spiritual element to me, but for me, that idea of it can le- live, it only can live and breathe because it is a narrative, because it is a story, mm. right? And and the story is one that continues on. And I think mm. there's a, that's how we connect to it. And again, maybe that's a little, a little off the No, I there, love <laughs> that. I love that. And I the irony is so palpable of it has to be, it's living on because it's a story, because it's narrative, because we're constantly doing this, because I'm hearing something different than you're hearing and Jeremy's hearing. And so how about the irony that like there is so much grasping at our the way the American like church is modeled is like one person kind of holds the keys and tells you what to. And I think there's a sense of. okay, good, we're all on the same page. We all saw that this passage means this, but in reality, we're all storing it different (laughs) in our heads, like even as we're hearing it. Right. And, And to go off that point, when we don't have a sense of what the story is, what the narrative of this is, somebody else will give that narrative to us. Mm, and we'll pick saying? it up. Like, yeah. And and they'll tell you, oh, no, no. Okay. Here's what the Bible is about, a field manual about how to make God happy and how you can get into heaven. So that's how you should engage your faith. This is how you should engage, right? But I think when we realize, right, as a person, as, yeah. as I've read it, and it's like, wait a minute, no, 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 that, that's not the story. That's not the narrative per se. Mm, yeah. You know, so that's why I think it, to your point, a question like, what happens when we don't have that story? Well, what happens when we don't engage in that story is somebody engages it for us. Somebody authors mm. that story for us mm. and, and takes that away. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's kind of. Yeah. No, it does. Will you go back to the narrative theology and talk to me, I mean, narrative uh, therapy and talk to me about what does a session look like? What do you do? I know about talk therapy. I know about EMDR because I've done both of those. Um, and I know about like creative therapy, but what about narrative therapy? What's the, um, what makes it different? Yeah. So it's, again, it's this, uh, this idea that we organize our lives through story mm-hmm. and the process, the therapeutic process is then asking somebody to kind of look at that story and ask questions like, who is authoring the story? Who is, or, or what is at play here? How have you, how have you storied your life in a way that sort of is um, not predicting, but is kind of, you know, making sense of. Mm. Right? So if I've told myself over and over again, I'm a weirdo, I have, don't, nobody likes me kind of thing, right? That's, that, that kind of the way I'm storying my experiences is really highlighting those. Um, you and know, then and does so- it also become your lens? Right, exactly. Yeah, the, mm. very much like you think like a schema or like a worldview kind of thing where, yeah. you know, I'm going to focus on what fits into my story, you know, even though the reality is we have lots of different storylines going on. Right. Right. I'm a, I'm a therapist, but I'm also a dad. I'm also, you know, um, a community theater actor. Okay. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever I choose yeah. to kind of, yeah. you know, and, and they weave and they, they cross paths. Um, so then in like in therapy, because I think, I could look back at my story and go, there was a lot of hardship. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of whatever. And I actually have been at my lowest points of depression and anxiety that has become my lens. So even if stuff uh, wasn't as hard as it would have, because I was, this was the story I believed about my life. um, It was harder for me to deal with in that way. So how do you, and someone comes in and they're like, this is how my whole life's played out. This is how my life's going to be. Um, how does it that you get him to see that there are multiple stories? Yeah, so part of it is about separating people from problems, right? Mm. And and that you can have problems, you you can experience problems, but that you don't have to identify with those. You don't have to 
make those mm. your story, right? Um, and that your story is bigger, or or rather that your story is what you want it to be, mm. um, as opposed to the process that you're describing, which is having those experiences and then owning them and saying, I am this way, this is my story. I am depressed, I am this, I am that, right? And so challenging that by saying, okay, let's, let's externalize that problem. I mean, um, and, and narrative, some narrative therapy techniques go so far as to like give names to those problems. So like, mm. you know, calling your depression by a certain name, calling that experience, right. To, to get it. Like you mean like Steve, it. like Steve. Yes. Okay. Like, <laughs> like, like, like we're going to give it a name. We're going to, yeah, okay. exactly. What was Steve telling you today? Well, Steve was a real asshole. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry know, for like, anyone named Steve listening. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just pulled that out of half. I did. I was yeah, like, Steve, sure. Joe. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, interesting. So you it, it, it then it becomes separate. Or at mm-hmm. least, yeah. And then it's then it's in a place where now I can make a decision, right? Now I can do I how do I want to author my story around this issue, right? Letter writing is another way we externalize, right? The whole process of of writing is, is one in which we externalize, we put down and and we have some, some separation so that then you can be conscious about how do I, how do I want to author my story in a way that's most Mm -hmm. honoring to me? Another thing that they talk about in narrative therapy is the dominant stories and how we fit in with, to the dominant stories and how those dominant narratives in our culture at the cultural level inform our own stories. Right. Mm. Um, And so like, you know, um, whether it's, you know, race or gender or, um, you know, whatever, that those are all, those aspects can be ways in which we see ourselves and story ourselves. Like I'm not good enough or, you know. Oh, that's fascinating. Did you see, um, are you familiar with Dear Evan Hansen? Either of you? Uh, yes, I'm familiar. I'm yes, also I married to a musical theater. Uh, exactly. Uh, Jeremy, do you have a musical what, theater fan? What was your question? Something said, about Hansen? Do you know Dear Evan Hansen? It's a like a Broadway show. Oh, no. I mean, my I'm neutral towards musical theater. I, I, I've walked out of them. but Some I, might say there is no neutral, Jeremy. There is. There really is. I, I come to it with an open heart. <laughs> I know plenty of people who are against them. I am not against them. I, I, I walk in with an open heart. I've seen Hamilton, you know, I, but I, I walked out of Hairspray on Broadway just <gasps> and not because I was offended. It was just I was bored. You know, that to me, it just um, did the it, the uh, but I loved I, I mean, you know, I, I, I've seen I've actually seen multiple <laughs> Broadway shows and I really love what's been your favorite. Um, I let me think there was. The Avenue Q. Do you guys remember mm. that one? So you can say I'm not a prude. Obviously, that was one, that was one of my favorites. But um, I feel like there was another funny one. The uh, the the I liked some of the the funny ones. I see. I saw Wicked there too. But um, that is hilarious. A, I love you because that's just so you. This so fits your brand of like the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> like wicked hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, I saw the Monty Python one. You know, Kyle was oh, that yeah. one just straight up. I mean, that one was pretty funny as well. I think uh, Avenue Q was probably. Oh wait, no. My my buddy took me to the Book of Mormon. <laughs> oh, you know what? Say. That has been our like quarantine soundtrack. Has it really? Man, yes. that is a funny. That's a funny show, without a doubt. So. I haven't seen it, and I'm so mad. Oh, but the best part is, is that Scout, three year old Scout's like. Mom, Olaf's singing about the Mormons. <laughs> she doesn't even know what the Mormons are. She has no clue what's happening. She just knows it's Olaf. Well, I um, and I was gonna. I was just gonna, to jump in on what on what Kyle and I think hmm. something that you were saying too. Um, one of the things I've I'm reading this dude, this guy named John O'Donohue. He's like this Celtic uh, Christian uh, poet, yes. philosopher, and stuff like that. One of the things that he said, and it's kind of like, and I also was reading that other book that you suggested bonnie the quantum physics guy whatever oh yeah yeah yeah. but one of the the, and this all kind of connects to that i'm not really smart right quantum physics i know uh it's all i don't understand any of it but that's all right (laughs) um but one of the things he said was obviously and kyle this is something that you probably are very well very familiar with is like your thoughts are not true (laughs) or they're not facts thoughts are actually things and when you when you when you separate yourself from a thought, you're able to um, realize that this is not the truth. And that's another way, you know, to to understand. Maybe you 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 separate yourself from your story and or what you believe is your story. Sometimes, mm, yeah. The other so the thing that John O'Donohue said um, was the eyes from which I view the world creates the world mm. that I'm viewing. Um, 
and to, to unpack that quickly, it's like, if I'm, if my eyes and he, you know, it's poetic obviously, but if my eyes are, if I'm viewing the world with, with greedy eyes, then the world that I see is greed, you know, mm. and, and, and it, it becomes that. But if I view yeah. the world with, with eyes of beauty or if I view the world with eyes of peace, um, it changes what the world is, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. which is to me, it actually does change the world. Now, is it changing the world or is it, you know, psychologically, you know, am I separating my truth or this, uh, this, my, my, my thought and, or am I giving it a different thought or a different spin or a different interpretation or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the books that I just recently finished were the, uh, the Philip Pullman, this speaking of the Harry Potter ones, um, was the, um, the, his dark, mat, his dark materials, <laughs> you know, oh, those ones yes. like the golden compass. Um, yeah. so basically most Christians see that as like, he's the CS Lewis for atheists, you know, oh, <laughs> fascinating. They, okay. you know, cause he's an atheist and, and, and it, that stuff does kind of come through. I'd say he's a little bit less like, um, uh, illustrative. I think there's a little bit more, it's not, it's not an, it's not a direct allegory. There's obviously some, some things in there. Yeah. I think CS Lewis is a little bit more guilty of direct allegories. Yeah. In fact, that's what like Tolkien accused him of. I think back yeah. in the day, you're like, you're just telling me an allegory. I want to hear a story, you know, give yeah. me, give me little people with hairy feet basically. But all to say, I really connected with those books um mm. partly because they weren't coming from the christian narrative yeah of, you know background his 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 understanding of what happens when people die were was gorgeous to me because it wasn't it was so foreign to mm. what i've been understood and it also allowed me to doubt my uh, my truth about mm. that yeah um but then what that did is it, it um it led me to just, I was kind of reading this off and on this other book that he wrote, which was called, and I had to look it up because I couldn't remember. It was um, uh, The Good Man Jesus and mm. The Scoundrel Christ. So, mm. so it's, it's, a, it's a fictional book talking about people who were re- and it, written by a very prominent atheist. And he, and he um, has taken the story of Jesus and given Jesus a twin brother. His name's Christ. So, mm. so these two brothers kind of go through this, this, the, the life of Jesus, who's a good man and actually starts a, you know, a, a revolution of sorts. And then you have this in his story, the Christ who kind of monetizes <laughs> the, the whole oh, situation dang. in some ways. It's really interesting. And one of the stories, like the, the, the three temptations, you know, the, it, he kind of goes through that and, and he does like the, he, the, the it, it's actually between the two brothers and so Jesus is like, then the Christ is like, um, and I say this, that's the character in the, in the book, obviously. And he's, he's saying, um, w- okay, make the, turn this into bread and you'll feed all the poor and they'll follow you. You know, that's like the yeah. whole, that's the Dostoevsky one as well. But he, a couple of those things, but he changes the last one about the, the jumping off of the, off of the, uh, oh, yeah. the tower or whatever it is. And he kind of, he says he does the tower thing. But then the the monetizer of the two brothers basically says, just imagine it. And you can hear kind of his passion and and what he thinks is really true and really important. It's like what you were saying, Bonnie. He, he, and I was looking, I was going to try to read it because I can't find my notes. But generally he says, man, just imagine what, what, what we could do if you if you jump off of this and people and people, you know, see who you are, then we can control Mm. everything from here on out and eventually there'll be you know places where people go to for to find authority on what they should be thinking correctly mm. and how they should be performing correctly and we can have you know people who are holy who can can govern that and they can watch over it and make sure that everyone is doing this correct and so i was like holy cow like, I mean, this is yeah super important indictment mm-hmm. of what's possible with mm-hmm. unfettered religion, yeah. you know what I mean. And to me, I've never. I, when I'm reading his stuff, I was like, um, I've never been like he. I don't. I, I, I. He's never like been against spirituality. I think he's probably a lot of spiritual stuff in what he does. He's he seems to be against like um, dogmatic tyranny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So am I, <laughs> kind of a thing. So super interesting. But to me, that's part of what this, was that one called. 
Um, it's the good man Jesus and the, the scoundrel, scoundrel Christ. Christ. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm. I'm I'm actually kind of just reading it off and on. So I, I I don't know how it ends. I think that Jesus probably dies. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably does. No, that's interesting. And I actually love that you you're a good reminder to me of like no reading all these different narratives, reading all these different perspectives is actually so healthy and good. I grew up in such a tradition of like no, you only read these authors. You only read. And some way. are banned, right? You're if if you read them, you're in trouble. You're you know, in which, such trouble, which is why I spent a large portion of my college like going on. Oh gosh, Kyle, I don't even know if you know this. I'm sure you do. Maybe I confessed it to you then. But I would go on um like long power walks, which I didn't even really like the power walks, but I knew somebody that was super pretty and they would always power walk. So I felt like, well, it worked. So for them, so I'm going to do that. And so I would go on these power walks and I would secretly listen to Rob Bell on my uh, <laughs> podcast. And then, or like it was not, there's podcasts weren't a thing yet, right? It was like his church stuff. And then I would get home and erase it because I was so afraid my roommates would find it. Right? Like Kyle, can't you picture so that? <laughs> can't you picture me in college doing that? Um, but it's so important to look at all these different things. And, and like you guys are talking about how we're constantly storying, right. Of you saying like, Oh, I saw that. What I took from that was, um, when religion isn't watched or, you know, it's the wrong person gets in power or whatever it might be. And the reason why I asked you about musicals and Dear Evan Hansen is along those same lines of he writes, Dearbin? Is that the writer? <laughs> I'm saying it too fast. I'm still missing what, it, what this Dear is. Dear Evan Hansen. Okay. And he's, it's, a very, it's a very popular musical out Dervin. there right now. Dervin. And he's <laughs> writing letters to himself. Like that's uh, how it, it opens. And he's like, Dear Evan Hansen. And there's like a line of songs like, today's going to be a good day. And here's why. about animals in the woods. Deer. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. And um, he talks about it. Or, and it's. A, that's a big part of a show like because the therapist is asking him to write letters to himself and he has social anxiety and it's like he's writing these letters to himself and so when you guys were both just talking about how the narratives we create we often live into them and my therapist is always saying to me well if you look for it you'll probably find it um like if i have anxiety about something she'll often say well if, if you're gonna go look for a problem you'll probably find a problem um, this type of thing. And so I, ju I just think it's so fascinating because a lot of times what happens is we are growing up in a tradition where it's like, this is how you read the stories, right? This, this is the lens. It's about, like you said, someone told us the narrative. It's about this thing. That's what the Bible's about. And we go through all these deconstructions where we're like, what is uh, faith? Who is Jesus? What are, what's happening here? And then it's hard for people to get back into the Bible without that narrative being filled in. Like I've heard a lot of people go like, I don't want to throw it out, but I don't know how to read it without that voice still in my head of this is what it means. I need a different perspective in a different way. So I think reading other texts, like you're saying, it just opens something. It unlocks something where we get to then look at it from a fresh perspective or at least a different one and kind of possibility in there and go, oh, what is, right. what is happening? One of the things that happened to me when I was young, uh, I lived in Cambodia for a year and um, I read, I was, I mentioned it before, read Dostoevsky. And mm. one of the things that they understand in that, and this is psychological as well, um, but, but that the, bo the, the brothers or Alyosha, they, the father of the, of the Karamazov father dies. And mm. one of the big um, understandings for Alyosha was that he was happy about that mm. like he he was it was racked with guilt uh, just torn apart they all wanted the father dead he's a horrible per human being and and what that when i read it what however i interpreted that i believed that i deep down wanted my authority dead as well mm. <laughs> my authority being and the, and being god in this particular case and or yeah. the church or whatever it is and as soon as i did that i was like i'm about to get struck down and mm. but that's but that's also the same moment where where for better or for worse it's taken me so many different places where god said you have permission to mm. want me dead you know mm. and he's and and he it, yeah he didn't say it in my ears you know i don't know that that happens but in, in my heart right <laughs> something just, resonated yes. with this that's and it still does and it's a bit like you said you know when people there there's banned books you know when we're in in college that's the first one i'm going to run to at this point you yeah. know what i mean it's like no i don't think there's any danger there's no danger in me being honest with mm. the creator 
who are and with your story, yeah, and with my own story. So I, from then on out, I was willing. I was allowed to doubt my doubts. Mm-hmm. I was allowed to. I was allowed to question things. I was allowed to look at other possibilities. To read yeah. atheists, you know, to to read Rob Bell, the heretic, you know, kind of things. <laughs> and 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 it's because I was allowed to do the worst of those things. I was allowed to want my creator to not to be dead, (laughs) you know? Um, and so, but the, but, but that's what we're saying too. In some ways we're, we're, we're given a narrative, um, and, and not even just like, not even explicitly most of the time it is, but like, like you were saying, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's systemic, you know? Uh, it's, it's, and, and for those of us who are part of a religious culture, there is definitely something handed to us. Yeah. And, there's and there's definitely a way to look at things and we're definitely told not to really go you know push those boundaries too much um or at least don't bring it up in bible study yeah yeah or at least do it walking alone in your college town <laughs> right Power that's walking. right Power <laughs> oh my gosh this has been fascinating uh Kyle thank you for sharing your wisdom and before we go if you guys each had to pick a book that you were like you have to read this fiction book before you die, what would you tell people? Like any book at all in all existence? Yeah. Asking two English, former English majors. To wow, you guys, you know what? This is for like, which kid is my kid? Exactly. What's my desert island? What food? Like, come on. Well, I'm sure, like, Jeremy no, you know what? I, I don't like want to hear your answer. Now. Books I don't want to hear it. You're done. You're done. No, yes. Well, okay. Like, my, my, that's why it's like one of those questions that you had to pick. Yeah. Jeez, well, my it's like saying like, am I allowed to use a series because of my official? Yes, like, that's fine. Like Lord of the, you know, the Lord of the Rings series, but I also I for like a large portion of my life said said Brothers Karamazov was my favorite book, but now I don't know if I would even enjoy reading that at this point. So I know that is I need tough. things a lot more light these days. So I don't. know. What's your answer, Kyle? What would you hit choose? I'm gonna just pick a really relevant book and just say East of Eden because oh, <laughs> look at the that Tim, Tim Shell theme. Gosh, I'm are. so embarrassed to say I still haven't read it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what's wrong with me? That. Well, you've never tried, right? Have you? you have you? No, I haven't tried. It? I don't even own okay. it. I haven't picked right. it up. You have no intentions to read it. Right? That's not true. <laughs> I do. You know what my problem is? Is I really envisioned um, a beach read. And then COVID hit. And also, like, I don't know what I'm thinking. I have two kids. I'm not reading yeah. at the beach. No. I'm taking pics. I'm soothing no, jellyfish the kids stings. kids at the beach is just the, the worst. It's dirty. <laughs> sand everywhere. hot sand. <laughs> it's like I'm not doing that. There. So yeah. I should just pick it up. But I keep picking up other books. Yeah. Just, just read. That's what I'm all about. Just when you I'm have the time. Just whatever it is, however it is, you know. I'm, Every time my kids are like, where are you reading again? I'm always like, readers are leaders, kids. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you, Kyle. And um, if people wanted to get in touch with you and ask you more questions about being on their podcast or perhaps booking an appointment with you, even though you just told me today your schedule was full, uh, where can they find you? <laughs> Um, yeah, you just go to drkylehorse.com. That's my I haven't even so. been. I'm going to go browse it. Or you can just send me an email. There you go. Uh, yeah. So. Is it on there? It's email? on there. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All my okay. contact inform- information is on there too. So. Oh, perfect. Okay. 